How do you buy a business with no money? Is it better to start a business with a co-founder or by yourself? What's your biggest challenge as a small business owner when building a website? That's it. Let's get started with this week's edition of Questions Entrepreneurs Ask. I'm Dylan Gallagher. This is my podcast where I pick questions from Quora or uh, questions that were asked to me directly in the past week by entrepreneurs or folks that I'm working with who have some questions about business and uh, just want a little bit of feedback. Want to big uh, give a big shout out to some of the folks that I've been able to connect with here over the past week that have told me that they've been listening to the podcast. Uh, you guys know who you are, and I certainly appreciate that you'd say something. Uh, it was kind of neat to sit with a, a couple of guys here this past weekend and listening, uh, listen to them tell me that they actually have no advice for how I can improve this podcast, which I find hard to believe. So I will expect one or both of them to send me an email after this episode, letting me know that they, they got the hint and that they're going to give me some advice because my thoughts are that even though I share these answers, uh, kind of off the, the top of my brain, so you get a fresh response. I do know that there's probably some ways that I can make this podcast better and more helpful so that it's helping you as an entrepreneur uh, not only deal with some of the things that you're wrestling with, but hopefully give you some direction on some things that you're unclear about and maybe leave a stone in your shoe about things you know you should be doing, but you're not doing. So let's get started. I've got three pretty good questions this week. Uh, one seems a little bit uh, random and maybe a slight deviation from what I talk about normally. However, I think I've got a way to, to tie it into what you're used to hearing from me. So first of all, let's start with how do you buy a business with no money? Come on, doesn't that sound like a great deal? How do you buy a business with no money? Well, it's actually not as hard as you think. And it just reminded me when I saw this question pop up that sometimes you can tend to overcomplicate very simple things. Uh, I'm in my early 40s, and what I know is that there are folks that are a couple decades older than me that have been running some pretty good businesses but don't have a legacy plan or don't have a way to pass it on, and so they are looking to uh, somehow get a liquidity event or take some money out of their business, and the only way to do that is to sell it to somebody who is going to work for them, learn the business, and ultimately be able to give them the profit from the business that they were making. So let's just use a real live example to help answer this particular question. So let's say that you find a business that's generating a couple million dollars a year in gross revenue, and every year the owner's taking out a couple hundred thousand dollars, and at the end of the day, even after the owner takes out the money, there's still a couple hundred thousand dollars left over. So using real math, let's just use, uh, I don't know, let's just say there's uh, $200,000 profit at the end of every year, and the owner would like to sell. Ultimately, what, what transactions like this typically mean is that an owner is looking to somehow remove themselves from the daily grind of what's going on with the business. They're not, not, I mean, they're looking for a paycheck, but they don't necessarily need it all in one lump sum. What they'd be more interested in doing is having somebody come into the business, learn the business, run the business, maybe sit on payroll for a while, 
but then ultimately uh, demonstrate that they are capable of running the business, if not growing it and expanding it. And then you can get creative with all sorts of different deal structures. But to keep it simple, let's assume that you found a business like this and you would say to the owner, look, I'll come and work for you. I'd like to learn the business. And you know that $200,000 a year that your business is clearing after you take a wage? Tell you what, why don't we cut a deal where when you're comfortable, I will give you a million dollars for this business. I will give you $200,000 a year, that, that profit. I'll give it to you for the next five years. After five years, you've gotten the money that you wanted out of it. And I now have purchased the business from you. And maybe instead of taking the whole salary, maybe we just cut it in half. You take half, I take half. Uh, your downside is that if you don't like me, you punt me. Um, but the upside is that if you like me and I do a really great job, then then you were able to pass your business over to somebody that not only could, could continue to make sure that you get a paycheck every year, but was also able to let you take out uh, some equity. So how do you buy a business with no money? A, you get creative, but B, you try to understand what business is out in the marketplace that an entrepreneur really can't unload any other way. Um, some businesses just don't lend themselves well to a sale. Uh, some businesses are so highly dependent upon the entrepreneur that if they were actually to put a for sale sign in the window, they wouldn't have very many takers. And if anyone was interested, um, they might only give you like, you know, the cost of your inventory plus maybe one year's worth of profit or something like that. So when it comes to buying a business with no money, you really want to be creative, but you really want to find an entrepreneur or a business that's in the marketplace that doesn't have a clear exit strategy, there's no legacy plan, and then you want to be able to step in, make an offer that looks something like you learning, being on payroll, working for some sweat equity, and then ultimately, at some point, taking the profit from the business and using it to pay off the purchase price. So there's probably a hundred different ways that I could explain how to buy a business with no money, but that's, they all center around that basic idea that you go in with sweat equity, you use your time, your knowledge, your experience, and you try to grow the business. Some other ways, just as I guess, as I'm thinking about this, some other ways that you buy a business with no money is you say, look, um, you know, your business is at this particular, you know, it's doing a couple hundred thousand or a couple million dollars a year. If I can take it from where it is, uh, right now to where I think it can be, then will you allow me to take the profit from that increase and pay you off over the next couple of years? Um, and then it benefits everybody. So I love talking deal structure. I think this is one question I could probably spend the entire 15, 20 minutes talking about. So let's move on to the next one. Is it better to start a business with a co-founder or buy yourself? Uh, I have talked about this before. Uh, I myself have been involved in in business transactions where uh, a little bit earlier in my career where I didn't appreciate the magnitude of people's personalities and uh, kind of the emotional baggage that goes along with uh, a business not working out. And so I'm not a huge founder of, or a huge um, supporter. Um, it's not my favorite thing to recommend that someone would start a business with a co-founder. I think you're better off to start the business by yourself, but then make sure that you bring people around you who are able to support the things that you're no good at. But more, even more than that, whether you go down the route of looking for a co-founder or a bona fide partner, you want to make sure that everyone at the table understands the skill set and the talents and the expectations of what they're bringing to the table. A lot of times, 
much like starting a business. It starts off as a good idea. You get a lot of traction. Life seems okay and it seems pretty easy. And then something happens and you really have to begin adjusting now on the fly for these unforeseen circumstances, whether it be the market, be the economy, be it a banker, be it shrinking margins, losing big customers, whatever the case might be. When that moment happens, then you got to be prepared to look across the table and say, okay, are these the people I want to be in the trenches with? And in fact, the, uh, the, the folks I was with um, uh, this weekend and this past week were both uh, partners that had, have now uh, gone their own way, but uh, they're one of the few uh, groups of people that I've seen work really well together. They worked well together when times were good. They worked well together when times were bad. And that was a partnership where they both understood what they brought to the table. Um, they were both A-type personalities, but they they both bring a different set of skills to the table that neither one uh, has, and together they complement each other. However, I have also been in business partnerships where no one really does anything, and the 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 burden of the work is not equally distributed according to what their return is, and so that can create dissension. That can can make people uh, very uninterested in continuing to meet and problem solve and troubleshoot when times get tough. So not a great idea to start a business with a co-founder, but kind of like anything, starting a business either by yourself or with a co-founder, there aren't any easy answers to these things. But my, my advice would be um, make sure that whoever you do decide to co-found with or partner with, that they bring um, a set of skills to the table that uh, every that you and them understand, and that everyone is contributing uh, proportionately to the return that they're expecting to get. Again, pretty easy to get into partnerships and into business when times are good. Really difficult to get out of business when times are bad. Even harder to do when you have partners and everyone's interests are not working in the same direction. And again, my personal experience. Uh, was exactly that situation. Um, there were four of us. Uh, uh, you could blame the market, but but there were some circumstances that forced all of us to um, really take a hard look at what our go-forward plan was. Uh, me being the cool cucumber that I am, I, of course, had architected the perfect deal that would get everyone out and save everyone, um, but my three partners, unfortunately, didn't share in my view, not because they were... Uh, any less smart than me, but they simply had a different opinion driven by fear, driven by feelings, and driven by their emotions. And of course, when that happens, you can't make very good decisions. And so um, I ended up resigning and I I left, uh, not only did I leave money on the table, I ended up taking on some of the liability with me and wasn't able to uh, um, uh, look to this particular partnership to make me whole. So that was something I had to bear myself and I did, and it was a very expensive lesson, but in doing this podcast and sharing this story. Hopefully it saves you from having to make the same mistake and pay the same price. So is it better to start a business with a co-founder by yourself? I say do it by yourself and just bring people around you that can support the, the, the things that you can't do very well. If you do need to have a partner or you do need to have a co-founder, just make sure that it's clear before you get going what everyone's responsibilities are, what they're bringing to the table, and, and how you're going to keep each other accountable. All right, last question of this episode of questions that entrepreneurs ask is, what is your biggest challenge as a small business owner when building a website? And you might think, Dylan, what are you doing talking about like websites? Well, because I'm here to help you, 
try to help you, entrepreneur, figure out what to do with your business and how to solve your problems. Because I'm, I'm staring down this particular uh, issue with uh, some other things that I'm working on, um, I can tell you that the biggest challenge as a small business owner when building a website is answering the question, why do we even have one? Um, I'm pretty prolific at, uh, pretty prolific? I'm not even sure that's correct. I'm very active in reading articles about what's going on in the tech world, the venture capital world, small business in general, and trying to, you know, artificial intelligence, blockchain, et cetera. And so I find it interesting just to kind of watch the advancements that are made. But I literally was sitting in a meeting, uh, I was sitting in a meeting maybe two weeks ago and, you know, uh, business partner had said, look, we were we, we used to get tons of business from search engine optimization, SEO and keywords, and our website used to get jam-packed with contact forms. And anyway, as we got talking, it became very, very obvious that there were just a whole series of uh, variables that had changed in the marketplace that meant the web strategy that was good a couple of years ago doesn't doesn't mean anything uh, today. Mostly because the type of client that our business is working with, they're not looking on on the internet. There was just a on the internet anymore. There's been a huge shift in how this particular uh, service gets offered to the marketplace, how it gets taken up in the marketplace. And the web really isn't, uh, the web strategy used from a few years ago is no longer beneficial anymore. And so the biggest challenge I think that small business owners have when building a website is understanding why do you even have one? Uh, It's one of those, to me, it's one of those things where it sounds good when you're sitting in a boardroom or in front of a whiteboard and you're like, yeah, we're going to have a website and it's going to do this and all this functionality and all these tactics and it's going to be really, really great. And technically, you're probably right. But practically, why is your customer going to use the web? I mean, people don't like really download information packages anymore. Nobody, you know, people have signed up for so many newsletters that they don't really want another one. People don't want to be bothered in their inbox. Most people don't even reply to their inbox. They just want to get a text message. They want something quick and easy to use, and they want to use bots. And Anyway, I'm not suggesting that any of these things individually are bad. I'm just saying, as a small business owner, you really have to understand what purpose does our business serve. I'm a big proponent these days that your website needs to contribute to the overall experience that your customers are having when they interact with your business. And so if your website is a silo, if it is if it is like a brochure or it sits outside of your business and doesn't serve a functional purpose in the entire experience of what your customers are going through when they work with your business, then it's really just an expense that isn't adding any value to your business. So what's an example of what do I mean? Kind of the classic one right now, I think, would be if you're transacting with a customer and you need to give them updates or you need to give them information about their transaction or what's happening. So say you're an accountant with a tax return or you're a lawyer working on a case or you're a financial planner putting together a financial plan or you're a mortgage broker processing a mortgage or you're a loan broker and you're putting together a loan package, whatever that all looks like, the website could be one of the things that you can do to enhance the experience is the website should be a place where you go to get updates. If you are a business that is um, maybe local and personality driven, then what your website should be is it should be a reflection of your business. And when people are at your website, they should be there for updates on what your business is doing and how it impacts your customer and what they can look forward to how they can learn more about the upsell opportunities that your business might offer them or um, 
any additional services that might be complementary from other service providers. But the point is that websites uh, used to be build it and they will come. And I think today that just doesn't work. You Websites have to be highly customized to the customer experience that your customer is already going through when they interact with your business and the people inside of your business. Uh, I've been reading articles from lots of lots of businesses these days that are talking about how their website is actually just a one-page placeholder because they've shifted their entire experience to some of the social media channels. Now, that's an extreme case, but I've also seen businesses where they still think it's, you know, a couple of years ago where you can put a contact us form and then someone's going to fill it out and download a piece of information and then get a call from a salesperson and like that worked when when no one really understood the web and needed to stand back from the business a little bit and try to feel them out before committing to a transaction. Now those exact same companies are actually trying to figure out a way to use the website to create a live interaction with the customer that served the same purpose as downloading information and reading it at home and then ultimately pushing that person in front of a salesperson. So What's your biggest challenge as a small business owner when building a website? I say it's understanding why do you even have one and how is it contributing to the overall experience that your customers are going through as they interact with your business and your team. So that's it. That's all I've got for you today. I really appreciate you tuning in. I hope that you've gotten some value out of something that I've said today. And if you have, make sure that you share this episode or you tell someone about it. Uh, I want to thank everyone that's been listening so far because... For some reason, over the last little while, we just seem to be—I just seem to be getting some traction, not only from kind of the stats that I see, but also from the the inbox messages that I get, and the phone calls, and the meetings, um, and it's all very great. And I'm 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 great that after all these years and all the mistakes that I made, that someone is benefiting from them. <laughs> so thanks for tuning in, and I'll look forward to connecting with you at some point, and hopefully catching you on the next episode.